Well, I'm excited because the Grace Place is doing something. We can't do it all, but we can do our part. Amen. The fingerprints of the Grace Place are all over the world. We have an incredible impact uh, with millions of people, and I'm excited about that. And part of that uh, is our partnership with Doug Eccles. I've been knowing Doug for many, many years now, been in partners with him for many years. He comes every single year about this time, and we always have a great, great meeting, always have a great time, and uh, I think we also are a great blessing to his ministry financially every year, and, and I'm excited about that, and I'm believing that's going to happen again this year, amen. The people that we bring in, there's a purpose behind it. It's not because I want a, a Sunday off. I'm going to tell you, I'm really, it's really easier for me to get up here to preach than it is to sit there. I'm telling you the absolute truth, but uh, we bring people in strategically uh, that uh, we want to partner with uh, in touching this world uh, with the gospel. Brother Doug, would you come make our friend welcome this morning, Evangelist Doug Eccles. Praise the Lord. Amen. Great to be in the house of the Lord. This church does do something, and uh, a lot of the wells that you've seen and a lot of the people that have come to the Lord, you have underwritten the gospel to go to the nations. So we thank God for that. Amen. And uh, I was just uh, thinking about uh, how blessed we are. You know, uh, my wife has been cooking a lot, which is unusual. She's kind of trying to get healthier, you know, so she's cooking because the restaurant doesn't cook as good as she does anyway. That's My wife's a very good cook, but we're busy, so we run to the restaurant a lot. But, you know, she's always asking, what do you think uh, we should cook tonight? What do you think the kids would want to eat tonight? And, you know, when you put that into a Haitian mom's mind, it's not what am I going to cook tonight are we going to eat tonight? This is uh, the reason that we have started the feeding the kids. We know that feeding a kid does not get him to heaven, but when you present the gospel, the gospel will save the lost. How many still believe that? And we believe we can change a nation with these children. We're seeing thousands of adults. We've hit a milestone this year with over a million that have come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to see it continue, but we want it to happen a lot faster. And uh, together, we have done a lot of this. And I thank uh, the Grace Place for their help. And uh, I was talking to one of the men that run the orphanage that we have helped with. And even this church, some of you have been there up in Rankeet. Uh, Pastor Francio, he called me this week. He said, Brother Doug, it's very difficult to feed the kids. And he has very poor English, but he's got that one down pretty good. And, uh, you know, it breaks my heart because I love those children and I love what they're doing. And, you know, the truth is we have been very blessed and uh, I, I know that uh, this uh, week we're going to see great things happen. Maybe you want to help us sponsor well. We're doing that for $2,000, not only in Haiti, but also in India. Uh, in three weeks, I'll be back in Haiti with a crusade, feeding kids. Uh, 
visiting some of the well sites, making sure everything's done the way it should. I can't be in two places at one time, but uh, we're seeing God do great things. And then later in July, we'll be in Trinidad doing uh, ministry there. Then in August, we'll be in Sri Lanka, also in uh, Costa Rica. So we've got a very busy summer. So you can help us underwrite the gospel so we can go to the nations. How many believe we're going to see great things this week? Amen. I believe it. I want you to stand uh, with me. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. How many believe that success begins on Sunday? You know, the world thinks success begins on Monday, but I believe what you do today affects your life. So I think great things are going to happen because I believe as you prosper spiritually, it helps you in every area of your life. Do you believe that here? And you know what? If you believe success begins on Sunday, if you come back out tonight, you get a double dose. So we have service tonight at 6 o'clock and then Tuesday and Wednesday We're going to have a great time. Let's just uh, bring people that need to be touched by God, and then the rest of us, let's just seek Him with everything that we have. Let's have revival. Let's have a breakthrough. Let's have miracles. Let's have God touch us. How many want that to happen? Amen. All right, look with me to Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 15. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to be here. I appreciate you. I know uh, I say it all the time. Uh, I thank God for our friendship, but I know you have lots of friends that don't get to preach here, so I count it a privilege. This is, uh, this is my favorite place in the uh, Dallas area. I love to be here. I don't want to say that to, uh, you know, just in case it's on a podcast or something, then somebody else gets mad, but I could say it's my favorite place to be. But we'd have to cut that out. But anyway, I love to be here. And I know we're going to have a great time. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Everybody say invisible. 1 Timothy 1.17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible. Everybody say it again, Invisible. The only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray over the reading of the word. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing. We declare that there's freedom here today. Nothing is impossible. We believe, Lord, that there's people that have come in here with pain, people even that are so full of pain in their life that they have become numb. I pray, Lord, somehow get a hold of their life. And I'm asking that those that do not know you and those that are far from you, uh, that it would be hot in here for them today, that they'd be drawn to Jesus by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord. We declare this to be the place of salvation, healing, and infilling. Lord, where needs are met in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Just tell your neighbor God does the impossible and you can be seated. Amen. I told pastor I was going to tell everybody, poke your neighbor in the eye and tell him we walk by faith and not by sight. But I didn't think that was appropriate, so we won't use that. But I found something very interesting as I was reading through my Bible this year. 
I've read through my Bible many, many times. I started years ago as a habit reading the one-year Bible because I figured if I couldn't read through my Bible in a year, then I may not even be a Christian. I know we don't like to hear that anymore, but, you know, if you love him, you want to know more about him, and this is his book. But I've read through the Bible many, many times, and I noticed a word this time that I'd never seen, and it's kind of ironic. It was the word invisible. I've never seen God called the invisible God, but I I know that uh, invisible means concealed from sight, hidden, unable to be seen, but just because something is invisible does not mean it is not there. And invisible does not mean unavailable, and it does not mean he is not there or that he is occupied or too busy. Although John 1.18 says no man has seen God at any time, I believe that God has a way of showing up. Number one today, the invisible God likes to manifest himself in visible ways. We see God beginning with the children of Israel when the Red Sea parted. We see that God manifests Himself in a visible way. And I, I think that we underestimate what God did that day. We have, have a tendency to think about uh, the Red Sea parting. Maybe we grew up watching the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And somehow that little Red Sea they have on there looks kind of small. But how many know that opening was big enough for six million people to cross? And uh, that was the invisible God showing up in a mighty manifestation in a visible way. We know about the three Hebrew children where there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace. uh, And that furnace was heated up seven times hotter than previous. It was so hot that it burned up the guards that threw them in and Nebuchadnezzar he's looking in the fire and he sees not one not two not three but he sees four men in the fire and the fourth one was like the son of God how many know God will manifest himself in a visible way there was a post recently a pastor put on Facebook that I thought was quite interesting. He said, we had a powerful service with Doug Eccles seeing miracles of restored sight, pain-leaving bodies, and a young man walking away without his crutches, all glory, honor, and praise to God. How many know God will show up where you need Him? Those people that came to that meeting in New Jersey, how many know God does not love them more than He loves people from Texas? But I believe if we need Him today, He will show up and manifest Himself in a visible way. Number two, the invisible God, you can't see him, but you can see his results. How many remember just a few weeks ago we celebrate Easter? And a lot of people celebrate Easter in a weird way a little bit. They talk so much about the death, but I do not serve a dead Jesus. When the women went to the tomb, uh, the angel said, He is not here. He is risen. So I don't have a dead Jesus around my neck. I'm not looking Him dead on the cross. I thank God that He died, but I know that He rose again, and today the result is uh, I have a living Savior. How many know he's alive today? Now, I know that 
the wind blows in Texas like it does in Oklahoma. And uh, I don't know why it blows so much, but in our area, the wind uh, always blows in one direction. So if you have trees, the trees always lean the direction of the wind. And there was a man that came to Jesus in uh, the book of John. His name was Nicodemus. He came to Jesus. He was a very prominent man. He came perhaps because he didn't want anybody to see him, so he came at night. And Nicodemus comes at night to Jesus, and he's asking about being saved. And uh, John 3 and 8, God speaks to him, or Jesus speaks to him, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, we all know that you cannot see the wind unless there's dirt in the wind. You cannot see the wind, but you can feel the wind. And today, you cannot see God, but you can definitely feel Him. You know when He is here. See, today, I'm not waiting for God to show up. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in His name, there He is in the midst of us. So today, God is here to meet your every need. And I believe uh, that just like uh, the man uh, Nicodemus, he was telling him, you must be born again when the wind of the Spirit blows in your life, uh, you can definitely see the results when you're saved. The Bible said old things pass away and all things become new. Think we're getting this today. Listen to me. I think today that we need to hear it said from the pulpit. If you came to Christ and everything's the same way as it used to be, perhaps you're not even saved. The Bible said that the old things pass away and all things become new. You can know you're saved today. And uh, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And when the wind of God blew on my life and when the wind of God blows on your life, uh, uh, those of us that were dead in our sins, we came alive. We have a church that we have built in a very rebellious neighborhood in Haiti. The church was given to us, or the land was given to us by the owner of the uh, land, and he kept talking to me. He said, look, the land that I want to build a School on, that's what he kept saying, is a land where people have come on the mountain that are very rebellious. They are all squatters. They're living on his land illegally. He said, but I want to help them. He said, will you help me build a school? I said, well, I will not build a school unless you let me build a church. And he kept saying, uh, I don't want a church. I said, well, I don't want a school. I said, but I'll build a school if you let me build a church. And we became like second graders, you know, am to, are not, am to. I held my breath long enough till we have a school and a church. Now, when we first began to feed children up on that mountain, the people would come with their children. Usually the ladies would come and we had some things happening. The, the mothers would steal food from the kids. And that is so unlike a mom, that is not her nature. Usually a mother takes care of her kids before she takes care of herself. 
So I knew there had to be something going on, a baby's daddy or a a father somewhere that was probably threatening the mom, you don't bring me some food, you're going to have, you know, hell to pay when you get home, woman. I think it would go like something like that. So I had to change the way we did that. We had to start locking the gate and only letting in kids one at a time without the moms being there. They would hand little infants through that gate. We would feed them. And the atmosphere began to change after a while. But there was a lady that lived on that mountain. Her son, her, his name is Silvio. Silvio's one of the young boys that we have interpret for us. He's a really nice young boy. I like him a lot. But his mother was the one that did all the voodoo on that mountain. She was a voodoo high priestess. And so because of that, I didn't trust Silvio completely. I would always, in the back of my mind, think, well, his mom is in voodoo. And he'd always come to me and say, Doug, I don't, I'm not into the things my mother's in. You can trust me. He said, uh, I don't believe that my mom ought to be doing what she's doing, but he goes, she is my mom. Usually it's parents that say that. I don't believe in what my kids are doing, but they're my kids. But this woman was always antagonistic toward me. Matter of fact, one time she was screaming at me in Creole with a broom and and shaking it at me. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I heard about women that ride a broom. You ought to stay away from them. I'm just joking around with that part. But she was shaking the broom at me, and I didn't know what she was saying in Creole. The last time we were there, just a a short while ago, we were feeding the kids on that mountain. And I noticed Silvio's mother was there, and she was helping and being kind and had a smile on her face. She didn't look angry. She wasn't shaking a broom. I went over to Pastor Harold. I said, Harold, what's up with Silvio's mother? What's the deal? He said, "I, I forgot to tell you, but she came to one of the services, got saved and delivered. She's the greatest member we have now in the church. She's bringing the whole mountain to Christ. How many know that when you're saved, you can see the results of the wind of God blowing in your life? How about the wind of the Spirit that blew on the day of Pentecost? Acts 2.2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 33 years ago when I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, it affected my life and it's still affecting my life. It gave me a boldness that I never had. It gave me a love that I never had. It gave me a generosity that I did not know about. And I believe uh, you can be filled with that same Spirit. You can know that God is moving in your life and you can realize that the results of Him in your life, you can know them. Now, listen to me today. I know that we are people of faith and we wouldn't say anything like this. But we've all thought it. We've gone through something terrible in our life. Something bad has happened. Something difficult has come up against us. And and in our mind, we, we say, where is God? We would never say it out loud because we're people of faith. But we've all thought it. We've all thought, where is God? Remember even when Lazarus was dead and Jesus shows up, everybody was saying, if only Jesus would have been here. 
They were saying, where is he? But I'm going to say today, we don't say it, but there was a great man of God in the Bible that did ask where God was. 2 Kings 2.14, Elisha, he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other and Elisha went over. Why did Elisha reach down and pick up that coat and smite the water? Why did he hit the water with that coat? And say, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Because he knew about the God that moved for Elijah. The God that showed up with miracles for the man Elijah. He knew about the, the, the man Elijah that called fire down from heaven. He knew about the man Elijah that when he spoke, uh, it did not rain for three and a half years on his command. And at his command, it began to rain again. He knew about the resurrection of the dead uh, uh, woman or the woman's son that was dead. He knew knew about that resurrection so when he picked up that coat he knew that God needed to show up on his behalf listen the invisible God will confirm and establish his calling on your life number three the invisible God will confirm and establish his calling on your life you remember Elisha and Elijah, they began in a place called Gilgal. They went from Gilgal to uh, uh, Bethel. From Bethel, they went to Jericho. Jericho, they went to Jordan. Every place, Elijah told Elisha, hey, man, why don't you leave me alone? I don't really need you. Leave me alone. And Elisha said, I will not leave thee. They knew that this was the day, that, that it was coming, that there was a time when Elijah would be caught up by a whirlwind and, uh, and chariots of fire and horses of fire. And it even talks about uh, the sons of the prophets or the other Bible college students, if you will. They viewed from afar off. They were looking on. They knew something was going to happen, but Elisha, he followed Elijah everywhere he went. And finally at Jordan, Elijah asked Elisha, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion. The sons of the prophets were viewing from afar when he hit the water with that mantle. When Elijah went up, his coat was left. And he picks up that coat and he hits the water with it and the water parts. It confirmed what God had done in his life. The invisible God will confirm and establish his calling on your life. When I was born, I was born with a cleft palate. I had a hole in the roof of my mouth. My lip did not meet in the front. My parents were told by the doctors that I would never talk correctly without having years of speech therapy, that I would not hear without having some kind of hearing apparatus. But my parents did not believe the report of the doctor. They believed the report of the Lord. And so at two months of age, my parents took me to an Oral Roberts tent meeting in Mansfield, Ohio. And at that meeting, I was too young to remember, but my mother said, Oral Roberts took me into his arms, prayed for me. I've never had one day of speech therapy. You may not think I talk correctly, but this is how an Oki talks. And I will tell you, I've not had one day where I've had trouble hearing unless my wife asked me to do something I don't want to do. 
Come on, are you listening now? So I know I was healed by the power of God, but at 15 years of age, I was in an Assemblies of God youth camp, and God spoke to my heart, and and, uh, the call of God to preach was upon my life. And I will tell you that at that youth camp, I yielded to that call of God, but it didn't last long. About the time I got on the bus ride home, I decided I don't want to be a preacher. I'd rather, you know, know, it just wasn't going to work out. I had issues. Don't act like you don't have a few. I've noticed a few already. Tell your neighbor he's not talking about me. Now listen. For the next four years, I did everything I could do to disqualify myself from the ministry. But how many know that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God does not change his mind about you. Some of you think that you're too old, but I'm going to tell you, God doesn't change his mind about you. See, man may disqualify you, but it is God that qualifies. So finally at the age of 19, when I went to a camp meeting for no other reason because I went to see cute girls. But God had a better plan God got a hold of my life. There was a preacher from Texas with the longest, boniest finger I'd ever seen pointing right through me. He knew what I did on Friday. He knew what I did on Saturday. He read my mail. And I'm going to tell you that night I walked down the aisle, rededicated my life to Jesus, and I said, I'll preach the gospel if that's what you want. And I went to my mom. I said, I'm called to preach. She said, so? I thought she might buy me a new suit or something to preach in. She said, so we already knew it, but we were waiting for God to bring it to pass and not man. She said, when Oral Roberts prayed for you, he prophesied over you that you would preach the gospel throughout the world. I'm going to tell you, I've been to over 40 nations of the world, preached to thousands and thousands of people, but I'm going to tell you something. The invisible God, he'll confirm and establish his calling on your life. Are you hearing me? Some of you think, well, I don't know if I can do it anymore, but I'm going to tell you, I can do nothing without him, but I can do everything with him. Are you listening to me? I can't do it with Without him, but I can do it with him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Listen, number four. The invisible God shows up when you need him. Remember Paul and Silas, they're thrown into jail. They're surrounded by guards. Correctional facility guards. I think there's another word. A corrections officer is what we call them now. But they're surrounded and their fate is tomorrow you're going to be put to death. Not tomorrow you may get out, but tomorrow you're going to die. But the Bible says at midnight Paul and Silas sang praises unto God. And not only that, but the prisoners heard them. I find that interesting. The invisible God shows up when you need him. They sang and the prisoners heard them. Now I find it very interesting. I go to churches all over America. And today we had great praise and worship. It was awesome. These people on the platform, they blew it out today, right? It was good. 
But what I find interesting is that some churches I go, some churches, I look around and I wonder if I'm the only one there. I don't hear anybody else. I hear people, I look around and people are like this. Now today, you can always hear Pastor Mike sing. So I don't know if you guys were singing or not because he was singing louder than the whole congregation. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I'll pay for this one, I'm sure. But hey, us preachers, we can sing loud. You know, we, we, I, I, we grew up in a time where we always had church in the basement for the kids, you know. And it was always, let the big people upstairs hear you sing. So that's, Mike and I still sing that way. But the truth is, are we really praising God if nobody can hear you? If all you're doing is, you realize when my team wins, I don't just stand there and go, Are you understanding me? My team went into three overtimes. I'm at the game, and when they won, it was deafening the praise. Are you hearing me? There's people that come in here bound every week that need to hear somebody praise. The Bible said the prisoners heard them. And what happened? There was a great earthquake. God showed up. The invisible God showed up when they needed him. And an earthquake came. Everyone was loose from their bands. The jailer, he was so distraught, he was ready to throw himself on his sword. They said, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. He said, what must I do to be saved? They said, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I believe some of you begin to praise God at Bible level in the midnight hour. Some of your children would get saved. Some of your children that are bound uh, would get saved. Some of your neighbors would be saved. I believe that the altars would be filled in church if we begin to praise God in a way that would please Him. I was in the airport. I was going there with Lori. We were running late. I do not like to be late to the airport. So it was her fault. How many understand uh, the way to speed up your wife is not sit in the garage and honk the horn? I learned that a long time ago. So I was just waiting, but we're late. And we get there and we get our tickets. The lady at the counter says, you need to run to the gate. Well, I think running's a sin. But I did it that day and asked the Lord to forgive me later. But I'm running to the gate, and I get to the security. And when I get there, there's a big pile of people, all of them looking down. And, and I hear a policeman there with the TSA people say, she's not breathing. I kind of take a look over, and there's a lady laying on the ground. She's turning blue, really. See no breath, see no action. And my wife starts giving me the look. I know what the look means, but I'm running late. I got a group of people meeting me in Ecuador, and if I don't get there, they don't know where they're going. 
So I'm tapping on my watch. She's giving me the look. I'm tapping on my watch. How many know you just might as well go with the look the first time? You're going to lose anyway. So I put my bags down and we put our hands over those people. And all we said was in Jesus' name. And when we spoke the name of Jesus, something happened. That woman's chest began to go up and down. Color came back in. She began to breathe. And a a lady, one of the TSA ladies, she must have been a church lady, she starts shouting, that's what we need. That's what we need. That's what we need. I'm going to tell you something. God shows up when you need him. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good. Everybody say doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Listen, when you need a miracle, don't be surprised God gives you an instruction. We read that verse. We like the anointed Jesus. We like the Holy Spirit and power. We like healing, but we kind of miss that part. Doing good. Doing good. God requires action from his people. Elisha, he picked up the mantle and he hit the water. When Peter needed money for taxes, he went fishing. The woman touched the hem of his garment while the whole crowd was bumping into Jesus. She touched him on purpose with faith. Blind Bartimaeus, when he heard Jesus was coming, he did something. He cried out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And when uh, Jesus called him, he threw away his blind man's coat. He did something. The man that was paralyzed, they took him to the roof to get to Jesus. Listen, when you need a miracle, don't be surprised. God gives you an instruction. Do something. Some of you never been to church on a Sunday night. Maybe that's time to do something. Some of you never been on a Tuesday night. Time to do something. I believe uh, the Bible says very clearly in Acts 17, 27, it says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, yet He is actually not far from each one of us. Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those that love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Deuteronomy four twenty nine. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and twelve. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare or to prosper and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. But then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Listen, that's the word of God today. I'm going to close with this, number five, very quick. The invisible God can make something magnificent with absolutely nothing. The invisible God can make something magnificent with absolutely nothing. I know Clay's coming, but I'm going to ask him not to play yet, okay? Just get ready. They believed me when I said I was done. Did they not go to church with Pastor Benson? I'm sure he said that a few times. I'm almost done. But listen, when God wanted an earth, it was nothing. It was void. Nothing. The Bible said the Spirit hovered. When he wanted a son, the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby. She's a teenage girl. She said, how is this going to be? I've never been with a man. 
The angel said the Holy Ghost. Those three words can change your life. See, today you say, well, you don't know about my situation. You say, my life is nothing. I believe there's people that have come in here today. You've said, my life is nothing. I have nothing of a family, nothing of an education. My birthplace is nothing. My job's nothing. You think about this. Jesus has no formal education that we know of. Jesus grew up in a nothing town, one street and 11 houses. Jesus, born in a barn. And yet today, he's king of kings and lord of lords. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. I've said it many, many times, but you can get anywhere from nowhere with God. The little boy's lunch seemed to be nothing, but when God multiplied it, Sarah and Abraham had nothing. Ninety and a hundred. Nothing. You realize that a man a hundred, he thinks he can have a baby. You go down to the rest home today. Find the oldest man there. Oh, yeah. I say, precious memories, how they linger. But God can make something magnificent with absolutely nothing. Stand with me very quickly. I want you to look at one more verse, Hebrews 4.13. Look to the screen very quickly. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. We don't see God with our natural eye, but we know when he shows up. We know all the results of what happens. We know he comes when we need him. But it says here that he sees everything. He sees what we've hidden from our wife. He sees what the pastor doesn't know about. He sees what the evangelist doesn't know. He sees what you've hidden from your boss. And it says, to whom we must give an account. How many know that there's coming a day where we'll give an account of ourselves to him? I've heard people say, well, God's not the judge. Heard a lady say that on the news. Nothing could be further from the truth. He is the judge. And to him we will give an account. And what we are going to give an account? Everything. Nothing is hidden from his sight. So I'm asking you to check your heart in the deep places today. I'm not asking you about things you got under the blood. But I'm talking about things that you don't have under the blood. Things you haven't dealt with. Things that you're just washing, hiding under the rug. Are you hearing me? God's speaking your heart today. The invisible God, he sees it all. And we're going to give an account of ourselves.